0: you're listening to the entrepreneur ignited podcast where you'll get proven strategies to start and grow your online business from in the trenches digital entrepreneur
1: entrepreneur launch your online business live your dreams now here's your host derek gale Welcome to the Entrepreneur United Podcast, a podcast designed to skip the hype, skip the BS, and just bring you real actionable tips and strategies to help you grow your Business on the internet. This is your host Derek Gale, and today we're going to be diving deep into a topic I've been spending a lot of time on lately because it's something I'm personally interested in, and that is email deliverability. and And you know what, guys? I don't think enough digital entrepreneurs are thinking about it these days. You know, the fact is, I see people signing up with the you know the big e- uh, email service providers, email marketing services that advertise, you know, we've got excellent deliverability, and so entrepreneurs are making this assumption that By using this platform, they don't have to worry about deliverability. They can just write an email, send it, lands in the inbox. But it is so much more complex than that. And the fact is, is email is such a critical part of any digital business. If it's not, it probably should be for yours. And so, look, we're building these databases of of subscribers and customers that we're trying to market to. But if our emails are never getting to them, what's the point? So to help us on our quest for the inbox, our guest today, I guess you could say he lives and breathes email deliverability. He's the lead postmaster and deliverability expert for Entreport, which is an, a leading email marketing uh, and just general marketing platform for digital entrepreneurs, and uh you know, he's obsessive about all things at inbox, whether that's taking advantage of Gmail's tabbed inbox, avoiding spam traps, maintaining a clean IP, or, or setting up the perfect list re-engagement campaign. This guy has overseen the mailing of over 8 billion emails through his career and has been uh, part of the Entreport team since just about day one. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Brendan Doubles to the show. Brendan, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me, Derek. I'm excited to talk deliverability for a while. Cool, awesome. So now, before we talk deliverability, though, how did you become the postmaster? Like, I mean, uh, you know, when I was in school, that was never one of the options, you know, in the career counseling, right, (laughs) of what you could do. Um, Because, well, I'm, I'm getting old, I guess. Email really didn't even exist. But so, what? How did you become this deliverability guy? Like, what was your path?
0: Yeah, so I, I've been in tech sort of my whole life, had a fascination with computers from a young age, and I began at Entreport, which was at the time Sunpepper and Office Autopilot about seven years ago. And I started as a customer support rep. We had a, a very, very small team of about five. And back then, you know everyone wore a lot of different hats.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And because of all those different hats that I got to try on, I really got to find out Uh, what I had a strong affinity for and what I love doing. And it just so happened to be uh, email marketing and more specifically email deliverability. And uh, it's interesting because for a lot of people, it's a really boring, dry subject. But it's so important to uh, our customers' businesses that I, I just gravitated towards it. And like I said, I could talk about this stuff all day.
1: Yeah. And, and, and again, I don't think people put enough emphasis uh, or importance on deliverability because I see it all the time, right? People just, you know, they sign up with, uh, an AWeber or get response or whatever, who advertises, I got a great deliverability. And, and for the most part, most of these companies do their job as far as deliverability goes, but it goes far beyond that now today. So, you know, to, to start off, um, I'd be interested to hear your take on what are the mistakes that you're seeing people making today with deliverability? Yeah,
0: there's really one that just stands out above all others, and it's treating email deliverability as a reactionary problem. And so... Uh, people don't care about their deliverability rates until it's an issue, until that blacklist happens, until they get that angry email from a customer that says, Hey, I just bought your course. Where the heck is my email that I paid for? Where's my login information? You know, whatever it is, mm-hmm. it's always reactionary. And for most other portions of people's online businesses, it's not reactionary. You prepare for it, you go into the game ready to go. And email delivery should be the exact same way. And so really what I try to advocate for is a more well-rounded approach where you start with best practices and you establish that amazing foundation from the beginning or even in the middle if you're already uh, well into a promotion um, to make sure that moving forward you don't have those trigger tasks and those trigger problems where people are freaking out down the road. Um, And... The easiest way to prepare is just to make sure that you're sending relevant information to people who really want to hear from you. Now, some people would argue that, okay, well, just because someone's on my list, like obviously they want to hear from me. Well, that's not always the case. Someone could sign up to get a free report from you, and then maybe they forget that you're emailing them every week. Or maybe they change email addresses, or maybe they just don't like you. So they put your email into a folder, and it just stays there alone, and they never read it. Well, the ESPs can see that happening. So Gmail, Yahoo, Hotmail, they see, okay, well, I I see um, Brendan, or I see Derek, or, or whoever it is, sending out emails to our customers every week, and they're not reading it that must mean that these emails really aren't very valuable. And so then your name as a marketer gets associated with non-valuable email. You start to gravitate towards things like the promotions folder or the spam box or maybe even not delivered at all because it just appears that your emails carry little to no weight for the uh, recipients. And the, uh, the easiest way to combat that Is you just want to make sure that you're removing people from your list who haven't been opening, who haven't been clicking, who probably aren't going to purchase. Uh, My rule of thumb is to let it go for no longer than six months. Uh, So this is your action item if if you're listening. Go to your list and just create a separate segment for anyone who hasn't opened, clicked, or purchased from you in six months or more. And you either need to get rid of them. I know it sounds painful, but it will be worth it for the better delivery you get to your hot leads. Or... Start mailing them I'd say about half as frequently as you do with your engaged portion, and you'll start to see a huge pickup in the number of leads right off the bat that are getting your emails that are responding because your email is going to look more engaging
1: to those ESPs out there so I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying I, I you know I mean back in the early days um, you know you could sign up and if you had a clean IP you could kind of make it to the inbox, right, but my understanding is is that's almost a table stake now, like it's not as important is that true oh yeah you're you're completely right, and it really makes sense when you think about
0: the history of email, right because when email was first created, it was phenomenal that you could send an email from one end of the country to another or well heck one country to another country all the way on the other side of the world. And then it evolved into this tool that people were using for marketing, for spam, to scam people. And so, of course, the ESPs had to respond. And so it's been sort of this back and forth evolution, right? Originally, it was just made for one-to-one communication. Then it started being used for marketing. Then people started breaking the rules and harvesting email addresses and just delivering crap. And so now it's evolved to the point where the ESPs have figured out to figure out Uh, what's crap and what's not and by playing by the rules you make it really really easy to get into the inbox and stay relevant you just have to make sure that you're segmenting your list and only sending to your best people
1: so now what i'm hearing you say as well is the esps have now figured out it's it's not just about ip reputation anymore it's about engagement, right? Like if we had to summarize yep. it, engagements now become the factor that carries the most weight in your long-term deliverability, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and the reason for that is because spammers in the past could get an IP, mm-hmm. ruin that IP's reputation, and then just get another IP, right? And there was nothing really stopping them. And so they've had to uh, develop more and more advanced methods for identifying mailers, and choosing whether to deliver their email or not
1: okay so l- let's let's uh, let's walk through a, a scenario here because this is this is the question that uh, you know is uh, lots of people that are getting started are probably wondering this if not they probably should be is all right so I I, I head over to entreport and I-, I sign up with entreport right I don't have a mm-hmm. list I'm not an established mailer my you know m- my domains new I'm a new business I don't have a reputation yet so mm-hmm. I sign up with entreport and like most of the big um, email marketing platforms I assume that I'd be sending through a shared IP. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. So we, you know, there's a shared IP. So lots of people are mailing through this. So, you know, I start building my list and let's say I've got 500 people on my list and I start mailing those people, you know, am I going to make it to the inbox immediately and then eventually work my way out of it if I don't do well? Or will I, you know, do I have to work my way into the inbox? Like, you know, how do they, how do they work that when you're getting started?
0: Yeah, so there's there's a little bit of both, actually, funny enough. So uh, with Gmail, you've got things like the promotions folder, which is uh, a, a little more complicated. But to be honest, if you're starting out, um, it's not as important to worry about the promotions folder versus the inbox. Yes, it can make a difference in your marketing, but really you're focusing on a, a minor detail, right? Because if you're getting started, you want to lay the foundation of solid engagement. So you want to make sure that you have systems in place to remove those inactive people. So if you start with a company like Entreport, um, we've got projects and uh, package codes that you can enter into your account that will automatically create what's called a active re-engagement system for you. And what that does is it uses um, automated rules and sequences to uh, immediately send someone an email if they've been inactive on your list. And by inactive, I mean they haven't opened or clicked an email in six months or more. And it'll send them an email and say, hey, well, you know, we really like having you on our list, but we also don't want to annoy you with emails if you don't like them. So click here if you'd like to stay on my list so we can keep sending you our helpful tips, or just do nothing and we're going to remove you from our list in a week. Uh, And what that does is it starts right from the beginning, showing the ESPs that you have a clean list and you care about segmenting. Uh, Obviously, if you don't install that and you worry only about, let's say, the primary inbox for the first six months, well soon as you get to the six month mark well that's great that you know that you should only have two links in your email to stay in the primary folder versus the promotions folder but it's not going to make a difference because you're still mailing to a ton of people who aren't engaging and so that's why I really like to focus on that foundational piece first rather than the, the smaller sort of promotional piece.
1: Right. Okay. So now, a couple of things I keep hearing you say is is clean out based on uh, open rates and based on click rates. Okay. So it, yeah. it's I believe clicking that that's pretty accurate. You can track that pretty accurately. How accurate is open rate tracking? Open rate tracking, uh, while it didn't used to be super
0: accurate, it's getting more and more accurate. And the reason for that is the modern ESPs are starting to realize they can display images by default. So, for example, uh, Google, Gmail, now, if you open up a new inbox, by default, they'll just show whatever images are in there. Mm -hmm. And that Mm -hmm. means that the pixel is always getting downloaded when someone opens it, um, if you're familiar with how open tracking works. And so with Gmail, it's 100% accurate. And most of the other uh, big ISPs are following suit. So you can expect that, yes, your open rates may be inaccurate by maybe a percent at most. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you're really, really a stickler for getting those 100% accurate stats, you can always add a call to action. Uh, Make sure to display images to get the full email experience or something like that um, but i would say it's much much more accurate than it has been in years past
1: okay and, and just to, just to pause for a second everybody who's listening uh when we talk open rate if you're not familiar with how open rates monitored if we send out a hundred emails we want to know how many of those people actually just opened the email maybe they did nothing else but they opened it and read it and so to do that basically how it works is every time that email opens, there's like a one pixel image that is downloaded. They don't see it. They don't know it's there, but it tells your email marketing platform or or an entreport that, Hey, that person opened the email so you can track it. So if you're wondering what the heck we're talking about right now, this is what we're talking about (laughs) as far as figuring out how the, the people are opening that, that those emails. Okay. So, um, now, there's been a lot of talk about gmail because it's i mean gmail's everywhere now obviously um now a question for you you get and i love talking to people in in positions like yours because again you get this this uh bird's eye view of well not even bird's eye you get like this detailed view of not just one campaign but Mm -hmm. you know thousands of people sending email. So you, you get to see it at a whole different level. Now, have you ever looked across, I don't know, you know, the whole segment of lists that you host and said, okay, here's the percentage that Gmail makes up on average? Yeah, it's funny. I, I was actually just doing that this morning. <laughs> well, there we go. <laughs> um, yeah, and,
0: and it's it's been interesting seeing it evolve. So we actually just recently launched a program called Pages. It's a, a landing page creator. And we launched that about two months ago at our yearly conference, Entrepalooza. It was a really, really great time. But what I've noticed is that our opt-ins for Entrepages and our sign-ups have been just a little bit over 50% from Gmail. Whereas if you rewind, even just two years ago, our list was only about 27% Gmail at most. Mm -hmm. And so Gmail is really taking over uh, in a big, big way. And if they continue to grow the way they are, um, I think all of us may have a Google Apps or a Gmail account at some point.
1: Well, you know, that's funny too, because you're saying um, that percentage, is that people that have an at gmail.com address? Yeah, that's just at gmail.com. Yeah.
0: That doesn't even include Google Apps. That That's example. it.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, like all my email, I don't – you know, I have a Gmail account, but my at Derek Gale, my at Entrepreneur Ignited, those are all on Google anyway, right? So, yep. you know, if you factored those in, it would be an even bigger percentage. So, um, all right. So now let's talk about – uh, Gmail's algorithm because you know a while ago they they shook everything up by launching the tabs and there's the, I don't want to call it the dreaded, but nobody wants to be in the promotions tab. <laughs> right. Sure. I mean, the, and the, the and disliked promotions tab, maybe. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's because it, it, you just, I, I mean, I, I even forget it's there in my Gmail account sometimes and I don't go look at it. Right. Um, and, yep. and again, if something's put in the promotions tab, you're telling people when they go in there, somebody's trying to sell you something. So they're going to have this, this barrier put up that you're going to have to tear down. So, how, is, how do you get around this? Like, what do you, Have you reverse engineered the Gmail algorithm? Can you just tell us what yeah. to do? <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I, I've
0: done quite a bit of testing on this. And, and in my experience so far, it's actually much more simple than I thought it would be. Okay. So one of the things they look for is the number of links. So uh, for example, just two weeks ago, we were setting up uh, a welcome campaign for Entrepages. And of course... Before we turn it live, we do some testing. And in the email, we actually had four links. And it kept hitting my promotions folder every time, no matter how I tested it, no matter what words I took out. It didn't make a difference. We were hitting promotions, and that's just where we were going to live. The next thing I tested, rather than changing the verbiage, was changing the number of links. And so right off the bat, I removed one link, sent it again, hit promotions again. So I removed one more, and voila. Uh, We were hitting the primary box over and over. It didn't matter whether it was Google Apps, Gmail, whether it was a brand new account or an account that had been around for years. We were in the primary tab. And so it it appears to me that uh, one of the main factors is the number of links. Uh, I've also noticed a correlation between the amount of uh, images in your email to text, so that was another thing we tested. Uh, Usually you wanna have about 80% text, 20% images. And of course, keep in mind that this is going to vary a little bit for everyone, because there's still sort of the, the personalized engagement that exists. But as a blanket rule, if you keep your links to two per email, you have 80% text to 20% images, and you're not purposely misspelling any words or going crazy spelling fat like P-H-A-T, trying to avoid spam filters, you'll get in there just fine.
1: Okay, so let's talk about the links for a second. Because I was fighting with this the other day, and it's such a pain in the ass when you're sending out for example uh, a newsletter style right because yep. you know you're linking to different stuff i mean holy cow is it tough to get below two links but here's the real challenge by law you need an unsubscribe link does that count as a link i uh, i actually <laughs> just included that in my
0: uh, in my counts cuz i assume oh. anyone sending a newsletter or anything uh-huh. like that is going to have that damn uh, it brandon so, so what you're telling me month,
1: yeah. <laughs> what you're telling
0: me is we're
1: allowed to have one link no,
0: no, 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 no. I excuse me. I I did not include that in
1: my. Oh, in you my didn't. Account. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, okay. Good. Not. All right. Okay, so you can have two links plus the you Can
0: have three. But if you're using a modern marketing platform, you're just gonna have that unsubscribe link there. It's Got just it. How it
1: goes. Now, one other thing, you know, I, I just want to talk to the audience here for a second because right now, if you've been doing email marketing for a while and you're getting slammed into the promotions folder, or maybe you even hit junk, um, and, and I should actually I'm gonna throw this back to you. Um, if they're listening to this right now going, Great, all I need to do is just, you know, eighty twenty text and uh cut down the amount of links, I'll go to the inbox. Now, if they've already got of an established reputation or a history, is that going to make a difference right away? Yeah,
0: it, it can. So the thing that many people who send mass mailings don't realize is that um, reputation is iterative. And so there's different levels. You know, there's, there's like the worst of the worst. So we'll call that like a, a spam score of like 10. Mm-hmm. And then there's like the best of the best. Spam score of like zero. And there are so many different pieces that play into it. So you could have, let's say you could have a spam score of like six as a mailer. Your reputation has gotten you a six. They kind of think you're a spammer, right? Well, by following best practices, it might gain you a point and you might get down to five and that might do it for you. And so it's really depends on the individual mailing program. My advice is just always follow best practices uh, and it won't be an issue. But for those who already have that negative reputation now is the time to establish that solid foundation i was talking about with engagement if you do one thing after this call go into your list segment out those people who haven't opened clicked or purchased from you um, in the past six months or longer and just get rid of them and i promise you it'll take a couple weeks for there to be an impact but you will start to see a change in the way that the newest prospects open and interact with your business and it may seem painful making your list a little smaller like that but there's a very good chance if they haven't opened or clicked or purchased in six months they're probably never going to and so you're not realistically losing that much plus you'll spend less on sending emails so everyone wins
1: yeah yeah absolutely yeah i mean why are you paying to if somebody hasn't opened an email in six months why are you paying to send them an email it doesn't make any sense and ruining your other potential deliverability. All right. So uh, let's dig in a little deeper now uh, because, you know, with a system like Entreport, I'm assuming before somebody hits send, you, you know, you, if the email looks spammy, do you have something that tells them it looks spammy?
0: Yeah. So we have a integration with spam Assassin. Okay. And spam Assassin, it's definitely not the end-all, be-all uh, spam checking tool. Of course, it's great. It's a really good guideline. But one thing to remember is that each of the ESPs have their own private filters. And they don't tell you what they're filtering for because if they did, well, everyone would be in the inbox and sure. I would just have 50 messages about Viagra and mail order brides, which would be really weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the amount of spam, spam that's out there is just crazy. And so yeah. they can't sort of give, give out what they're filtering for. Yeah. Um, Okay. and so we use SpamAssassin. it's the largest um uh, largest open source spam filtering tool available so businesses that host their email maybe through godaddy or through bluehost or they've got their own server uh, they can install it for free on uh, their email servers and it will scan incoming messages it's primarily just a um content checker. However, you can get reputation checkers installed. So it's a really good place to start, but it's not
1: going to be 100% accurate with things like Gmail and Yahoo. Okay. And so, and we see these checkers and and that's why I feel sometimes people are a little bit misled by them, right? Because they think, wow, I've got a a spam score of 0.2. Right, so you know it's really low. I'm going to make it to the inbox. So w- when somebody's sending a, a mail, a, a piece of email out to a list, and they see that uh, maybe it's a spam assassin assessment, um, w- what is that? Is that primarily looking at things like keywords and?
0: Yeah, it, it looks at a lot of things. You can actually just if you Google a spam assassin filtering list, it'll return a bunch of the things it looks for. uh, Things like the HTML version, not matching the plain text version, um, using raw URLs that go to a different place. So for example, if you're using tracking links. um, if For us, we have a lot of the reputation checking plugins in place. So if you try to use something like bit.ly or uh, any of those other URL shorteners in your email, it'll flag that because so many spammers use Bitly that if you use Bitly in your email, it makes you look like a spammer and you go to the spam box. Um, so it's all mostly content stuff.
1: Okay. Uh, now, the, let, let's, let's shift to engagement metrics because um, obviously that's playing such a crucial role today in that deliverability. So what are the engagement metrics that they're looking at, that you're aware of? Yeah, so
0: uh, Gmail actually monitors quite a few different things. And Gmail is what I've done most of my testing with, simply because it's the most prolific presence on our list. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gmail looks at everything from opens and clicks, the simple stuff, to uh, how far down the page they scrolled, how long the email was open for, uh, whether they replied to the email, whether they forwarded the email. Uh, one neat thing about Gmail is if a user replies to a message twice, uh, that from then forward, you'll be in their address book. You'll also be marked as important, so you'll place above the fold most of the time. And you'll just inbox because you're listed.
1: You are basically assumed that you're a, a trusted source. Right. So... Getting people to reply to the emails is critical. Now, this is interesting, though, because anytime you send out an email, you actually typically want them to take action and go to a page. Yeah. Very rarely would you ever say, Hey, reply. Now, you know, it was interesting because I was, I was, you know, I've I've had my head in this deliverability thing for a little while now. So the other week, something I did is I sent out an email and said, "Hey, you know, what's your number one challenge?" Real easy. I'm just surveying a few people. Just click reply and email it to me, right? Yeah. And uh, so I got a, a ton of replies that way. And I was and and I was high fiving myself because <laughs> I thought, yeah, yeah <laughs> awesome. But you just totally rained on my parade <laughs> because you just told me they have to reply twice. Yep. Oh. I mean, once once is good, but twice is better. Don't don't you worry. Okay, <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so you know, just for everybody that's listening, you know, go out there, and it's great just from a customer um, sort of a survey standpoint. Just say, hey, what's your number one challenge, or what can I help you with, or what would you like to see more of? Just reply to this email, and yeah, you're gonna get a ton of email. But that's going to give you uh, a good um, it's going to help with that deliverability. Uh, but apparently you have to do it more than once. So um, all right, so let's talk uh, let's talk for a little bit about subject lines, because I mean, subject lines, you know, they can make or break an email. Um, how do they affect deliverability? You know, do you have any tips for subject lines? Yeah, you know,
0: they actually used to be one of the most important pieces, Uh, I'll say probably back like four or five years ago, speaking strictly delivery, not open rate. I mean, obviously open rate, it's one of the top ones up there alongside your from name um, and your preheader. But more recently, I've seen that subject lines really aren't having much of an impact on the inbox rate. Um, the only thing that I've seen that's really changed it is using a bunch of symbols in the subject line. That's caused some problems. Um, a lot of people like to write emails with, um, you know, RE colon or FW colon to make it look like an email, maybe a reply or a forward. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also short for regarding, obviously, but um, that's been shown to ha- make a difference in whether a place is primary or not.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and that's just because if you're looking to impersonate something with email you're going to end up in spam or promotions almost every time so that those are really the only two things I would say stay away from you know reply forward and symbols in your subject lines and you should be fine Uh, further than that you know just split test see what works for you Uh, everyone's list and everyone's business is different and I know that there are a lot of gurus out there that are saying okay well if you include a, a number and then so many tips and then to to get in the inbox or to to make ten thousand dollars this month or or whatever it is that you're going to get the best open rate possible well just remember that everyone's list is different and so definitely listen to those gurus out there listen to those people that are crushing it but always verify with your list because it's going to be a little bit different for everyone and what works for them may not work for you
1: Right. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, All right. So uh, I'm going to shift gears again, because I've got all these questions in in my head. So (laughs) I'm going to get them all out. The other question that uh, and, and I've read different things on this is the HTML behind your email. Right. And so we go, we go into these systems and the different platforms and they have all these templates and layouts and stuff like that. And sometimes you look behind the scenes, you look at the source of those and it's just, you know, it's a coding disaster, right? Like, I mean, (laughs) it's not clean by any means. What impact does that have and the code behind it have on your deliverability? You know, I can honestly say that I haven't really tested it that much. So I can't give
0: you a concrete answer one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do know that the length of your code plays a big part of it. If, if it gets too long and too bulk, bulky, your emails will start to get clipped. Um, but I haven't done any extensive test uh, testing on the format of the code, mainly because it has yet to be an issue for uh, a customer either in my private uh, deliverability consulting business, or
1: here at Entreport, when I help out our customers, it just hasn't been a problem. Cool. All right. And uh, so I've got one more, one more question for you. And that is related to your from address and the mm-hmm. domain you're sending from. And mm-hmm. you know, what impacts do those have on deliverability?
0: Yeah, so there's there's definitely a, a small impact for the domain that you're sending from, um, but things are becoming to uh, becoming to move away from domains, and the reason for that is in the same way that spammers would be able to hop on an IP, blow that IP out, get another IP the next day, mail from there, well, that's also very possible, and it happens all the time for domains, and One thing that most of the ESPs are starting to try and do, uh, it's an an initiative that was started by CloudMark originally, I believe, is uh, fingerprint or thumbprint mailers. And and they're looking for ways to identify them without just looking at domain or without just looking at an IP. And the way they do that uh, is list makeup. And so let's say that uh, you're doing a mailing, Derek, and you mail it out and goes to... Uh, A million people, okay? Well, when you send an email, every time at Gmail, it's going to go to the same 400,000 Gmail inboxes with one or two differences, right? Mm -hmm. And your list is very unique because someone else probably doesn't have those exact same 400,000 emails that would be grouped that close together going to Gmail. So Gmail knows, okay, well, these 400,000 messages all went to those specific people, this must be Derek's list, and so they're able to identify your segment that way. And then they know, okay, well, if we get mail to that exact 400,000 segment from somewhere else, it's like, well, well, maybe his list got stolen, or maybe he's sharing it, or maybe he's hopping around trying to send them spam offers. And so they're developing ways to target judge and then give reputation for mailers based on more than just domain, more than just IP, but actually your list because you can't really change that. Mm -hmm. And so there are some companies and some guys out there that are mixing it up and breaking up their sends and only sending to like this 5,000 first and then this 10,000 later so that they can't be fingerprinted by those algorithms and by those companies. So. I guess the short answer is, yes, your from name does play a little bit into deliverability. I think it it's really more important for recognition with your customer. So you just want to be clear, right? Yeah. You just want to make sure that they know exactly who it is. It doesn't take a second guess um, at who you are.
1: Okay. So uh, that's really interesting. I had no idea that was taking place. And, and it makes perfect sense, right? Because you're right. You can play with froms. You can play with domains. But it's hard to play with your footprint, right? Unless you're really segmenting and moving around a lot. So, and one more question for you. I keep saying that, I know. Um, Let's talk transactional versus promotional or commercial emails and mm-hmm. when you're sending those out are you should those be going out over the same IPs with the same froms the same should there be consistency in your transactionals or should your transactionals come from a different email address or should all your communication come from one email address what's sort of the best practice there
0: yeah well, this is this is definitely um, a huge debate in the marketing world so best practices Uh, in my opinion, you would send your transactional email out over a separate IP. And just so that way, your people get the most important stuff, no matter what. Just in case you don't have that solid foundation set up, you know that only the most pristine of stuff is going out over this IP. And as far as uh, whether it should be involved with your other mail, others argue that, okay, well, if that mail is so pristine, why don't we just let that pristine mail reflect better on our other mailing streams, and so they can sort of even out, right? So it'll help mm-hmm. bring up the, the reputation and deliverability of the others. Um, I, I think really the way things are headed is it's not going to make too much of a difference here uh, in the next three to five years. Yeah. But for the time being, definitely use different IPs, uh, use different from names just so that way you can start to establish a little bit of a different reputation for your transactional stuff versus your marketing stuff. But again, uh, all of that is moving towards just sort of one lump reputation that has nothing to do with the domain or the IP. And that's especially true if we ever get to uh, IPv6, IP reputation is just going to completely go out the window. Uh,
1: okay. <laughs> so... Um... I've got two questions on that. And first of all was, how does IPv6 affect (laughs) our? It's a whole new can of worms. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So it's going to
0: have a major effect because we're going to go from uh, the amount of IPs that are currently available based on the limits of the the numerical structure we have to uh, almost innumerable, basically, right? Mm. So we're going to have innumerable IPs which means IPs will be less expensive, easier to come by, and it'll be much easier for people to hop around. And so IP reputation essentially is just going to be null and void. It's not really going to make a
1: difference. Uh, Interesting. And And there's going to be so many more options. You know, I haven't paid attention. I've heard of it. I haven't paid attention to it. Is there a plan to roll it out, or is it still in development? Do you know what that looks like?
0: Uh, No, I I really don't know a whole lot about it. Uh, I do know that... You know, lots of people have been saying we're going to run out of IPs and it's going to be a catastrophe, and we yeah. need to get this next version out immediately. But that's been going on for, for years, for years. <laughs> yeah. So it is speculation. I'm sure
1: it'll happen eventually, um, but should be good for the next several years. Interesting. Okay. So um, I want to go back to the transactional. I had a question there as well because, you know, it's interesting you're saying where eventually this may not matter having a transactional here or your promotional commercials here. So now there's been this big shift of what are effectively transactional mailers, send grids, mandrels, stuff like that. And people are starting to utilize those to send out their email and you know, even to the point of connecting their email marketing platforms, whether it be a, you know, an Infusionsoft or an entreport to send through these other, I guess, transactional mailers. Does, do you see a benefit in that that will make a difference?
0: Yeah, for, for the time being, definitely, if it's strictly transactional mail. Um, just because then your mail is only going out with invoices and product delivery. And so, you know, that all of the mail that it's sort of lumped in with is only of like the best, most pristine quality. Um, that being said, like right now, right now it's perfect. But Mm -hmm. again, a couple years from now, it's really not going to make a difference because I think we're moving away from that type of, uh, that type of reputation tracking.
1: Yeah, well, and here's what I don't understand, right? So you've got the SendGrid's, the Mandrill's, these different Mm -hmm. platforms that are effectively um, advertised as transactional mailers, so they get very high deliverability. But now everybody's plugging marketing systems into them and blasting through their promotional or commercial emails.
0: Yeah, so when you connect to SendGrid, for example, they actually have separate IP ranges for transactional versus marketing. And so when you sign up for an account, they'll actually filter and screen your emails. Yeah, And so they'll say, okay, well, these ones can be on a the transactional. These ones can just be on our normal IPs. And so, um, and I don't take this the wrong way. SendGrid, great service, Mandrill, great service Mm -hmm. Uh, but when you're using one of their public IPs or just one of their normal IPs and you're sending just normal promotional marketing newsletter mail or whatever I mean it's going to be mostly the same as using your ESP's IPs right because there's only so many things you can do on the technical end that will allow users to get to the inbox and so if you're choosing to use a third-party service like that they're going to give you normal IPs for your normal mailing and then uh, transactional for your transactional stuff. And it really won't make that much of a difference, uh, especially because any ESP on the market that considers themselves like a real contender, they're going to have separate IPs for their transactional mail as well. So, mm-hmm. for example, if you were an Ontraport customer, we do send all double opt-in mail and all transactional mail
1: through separate IP pools from just the normal uh, run-of-the-mill public IP. Interesting. Okay. Awesome. And, and you know, that, that, was, that was my question. I'm like, well, what's the benefit of using these services if it's a whole bunch of marketing emails going through the transactional email IPs? Because it's just going to ruin those IPs, right? So yeah. um, awesome. All right. So we're, uh, we're, we're just about out of time here. So uh, I guess the question I have now is, you know, where can people find out more about what you're doing, what you're doing with Entreport, deliverability, any good resources that you want to recommend?
0: Yeah, yeah. So we actually we just recently uh, released Entreport Basic. So it's a lower priced option for people who really want a powerful tool like Entreport. Mm-hmm. The goal was is to release something that people can start and then grow with. So that way we can scale with them at every step of their business. And that wasn't previously available. Most ESPs at Ontraport's level are very expensive with expensive startup fees, and we wanted to change all that. So we released Ontraport Basic. Go check it out, Ontraport.com. Or if you're looking to get into the landing page game, OntraPages.com, we've got a free forever version for those looking to just dip their toe in. Mm -hmm. Or we've got the premium version, uh, which has more templates and can connect to literally any ESP out there via a form connector. So it makes it really, really easy for people to use our beautiful templates and connect it to their ESP of choice.
1: That's fantastic. So Brendan, I want to say thank you so much for uh, for sharing just well so much stuff uh, in the last 45 minutes. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thanks so much for having me, Derek. Awesome. That was great. All right, everyone. That was uh, Entrepreneur. Entreport's postmaster and email deliverability expert uh, Brendan Doubles and as always any links mentioned uh, in this interview will be included in the show notes along with the entire transcript of this episode and you'll be able to find those at entrepreneurignited.com forward slash podcast and uh, don't forget if you haven't already done so head over to iTunes or SoundCloud and make sure you're subscribed to this podcast so you never miss another episode and while you're there if you like what you heard please leave us a rating, leave us a review that is the, it's your reviews that give me the, the momentum, the motivation to continue making this the best info pack podcast for digital entrepreneurs. And now it's time to apply that final ingredient to everything that you learned here today to make it work for you. And that ingredient is action. So go forth, take action, apply what you've learned and stay tuned for more info packed episodes of the Entrepreneur Ignited podcast, a podcast designed to take the confusion, the BS, the hype out of online business so you can get it right and make more money. This is your host, Derek Gale, signing off.
0: Thanks for listening to another info-packed episode of the Entrepreneur Ignited podcast with Derek Gale. For links to all of the resources plus an entire transcript of this episode, go to entrepreneurignited.com slash podcast. Make sure you never miss another episode. Subscribe now on iTunes or SoundCloud.